Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Hey, good morning, Jamie. Uh, how, uh, the, the weather is, is Detour Dan is uh, having a rough day. You know, we have a hard time driving in the rain here yeah, in the yeah. Valley of the Sun. So he's like the uh, the DJ Khaled of traffic. Another one, and another one. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate it, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Drive safe. Uh, we're going to get you there. So keep it locked here on to KTAR this morning, eight thirty-five. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Jeff Dewitt, who was a former state treasurer. He was the CFO, I believe, of NASA. He's had a pretty good career in a lot of different areas. He has just been elected the Arizona Republican Party chairman. And I want to talk to him about the direction of the party, what he thinks needs to happen. Does he believe Arizona's truly turned purple? Um, all those questions you want answered. But also, if you're an independent voter, the question of how does he reach out and should the parties be reaching out to those independent voters and how do they do that? So it should be interesting at 835 and then at 9.05, our good friend Kristen Bench joins me. Um, Kristen is a retail analyst. She has a company called KB Advisory Group and has been right on the money about the economy for a long time. So we're going to talk with her just after 9. We start this morning with a local story that in <clears throat> with the backdrop of what happened in Memphis with five police officers killing a suspect. There was a video that came out in October of uh, two Phoenix police officers, um, and it was an excessive use of force case against them. They were suspended, and I don't know if they've been fired, but no charges are going to be leveled against them. A grand jury declined charges against the man. Now, I don't make excuses for bad behavior. I don't make excuses at all, but what I do want people to understand is – Context. Context matters. I believe, and I don't know this for sure, but I believe that in the full context of what was going on, I'm sure the officers were told that you overreacted. But the overreaction was, mm, I don't want to say justified, but the overreaction was certainly understandable. And let me tell you why. They had contacted this guy in the parking lot, I believe, of a QT, but of a, of a, of a store, a convenience store, and they had a conversation with this guy. They got back into their police cruiser, their, their SUV, to leave the scene, and as they were backing away, this guy pulls out a gun and just opens fire at the police vehicle. So, uh, you know, adrenaline up a little bit. Uh, and again, I'm just asking people to understand. This is what I'm asking people to understand. And maybe ask yourself, what would you do in that situation? Because he ran in the store and apparently he threw the gun, but the police didn't know that. They did not know where the gun was. Now, you can see them. They kicked the guy while he's on the ground. I'm not saying it was something they should have done. I'm not saying that at all. But I think in the moment, in the heat of the moment, and this is where training comes in, and this is where they are trained over and over again with de-escalation of their own emotions. But I will tell you, as a normal person, and I think any normal person, if somebody shot at you, what would you do when you caught them? Not later, not an hour later, not two days later. What would you do if you ran after them and caught them 30 seconds after they had shot at you? For unprovoked, absolutely unprovoked. And I think this is where the grand jury probably looked at the totality of this and the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. And they said, we have a very, very low likelihood of a conviction here. And I think that's why we don't make um we don't make excuses, at least I don't make excuses in this at all. 
I'm saying there are there are extenuating circumstances a lot of times to things. And if we're going to extend those circumstances to suspects in crime and in other situations, they have to be extended to police officers. I want you to hear KTAR's Jeff Munn as he talks about this. This is kind of a wrap on uh, on what happened. Just following a use of force incident in October. Video footage showed the officer. All right, let me start that over. Sorry about that. We had a technical issue here. A grand jury has chosen not to indict a Phoenix police officer on criminal charges following a use of force incident in October. Video footage showed the officer kicking a handcuffed man, causing the Maricopa County Attorney's Office to recommend criminal charges, which the grand jury decided against. And here is where this is where it crosses a line. Now, again, I'm not. I'm not a police officer. I've never been a police officer. I've just I've just watched this and, and studied on and asked about this and looked into this and done my homework. There is the rules change and every police officer is taught this, whether you're a deputy, a trooper, whatever it is. If you are in law enforcement, if you are post certified in Arizona, you are taught this day one of the police academy or any schooling that you take. The rules change when the handcuffs go on. Meaning, once a suspect is restrained and is is detained in handcuffs, the rules change. Now, I've seen suspects that know the game very well, and I've I've actually witnessed suspects then become uh, antagonistic, trying to incite violence once the handcuffs are on, because they know that any violence. Uh, I know a police officer that was fired because in an off-duty detail he had a suspect that was handcuffed after a big fight, and this guy tried to hurt him very badly. But the suspect was in handcuffs, and the former police officer struck the suspect. Now, this is someone that I get along with very well. He let his uh, temper get the best of him. And he lost his job. Even though he was on an off-duty detail, there was videotape of him striking a handcuffed suspect, and he lost his job. It was uh, sad for me to see because I thought the world of him, and that should not have been the defining moment in his law enforcement career. But that is how the rules change. When the handcuffs are on, it's a different ball game. I have watched young suspects. I watched a 17-year-old kid try to antagonize a Phoenix police sergeant into a, a physical uh, altercation. Uh, talking about his mother and I mean all kinds of stuff trying to incite some sort of violence One, and believe me he was he was not that way before the handcuffs went on he was compliant he was almost crying he was what you would expect out of a 17 year old kid as soon as the handcuffs went on all of a sudden he's a hero so their rules change and the police know that the rules change, that when the handcuffs are on, when a suspect is detained like that, when they are already in cuffs, then the rules change. I'm not making excuses. What I am saying is this is where the abundance of training that police officers go through and the continuing education for a police officer that they go through, it focuses on that kind of de-escalation of your own emotions. And it's not easy. And and this is where I, there's if we want understanding, and we do, we want understanding between the community and law enforcement. The community wants law enforcement to understand them better and treat them better. And I would say very respectfully, everybody in the community needs to have a better understanding of what law enforcement endures and what they try to do, and they aren't always perfect at it. And this guy, in an unprovoked attack, just pulled out a gun as the police officers were already in their patrol car and leaving, patrol vehicle, I should say, and the open fire on this patrol vehicle could have killed either one of those officers. 
There was no need for them to feel, you know, because police officers assess the situation. They didn't have their weapons out. They were getting in their vehicle to leave. And this guy, in an unprovoked attack, tried to murder two police officers. And so they reacted in a human way. They ran into the store with rifles and it got physical. Again, I'm not making excuses. I'm asking for a bit of understanding. And it sounds like the grand jury, which if you talk to anyone in the legal system will tell you, you could get a ham sandwich indicted in a grand jury because it's only evidence from the prosecution. There is no rebuttal evidence. There is no defense. None of that in the room. So it's probable cause for a trial. And they didn't find it rose to that level. So. We have to take, at least I do anyway, um, when someone is, uh, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example on the opposite side of this. How many times have you watched in those courtroom TV shows where uh, a person is convicted of murder and a murdered person's father or brother or family member is in the court during sentencing or otherwise, and that person jumps over the railing and attacks the suspect, who's in handcuffs, by the way, usually in chains, shackled, and they jump over the railing and they attack the suspect. We've seen it happen how many times. They, I mean, some of those shows make a living off of that. And I don't believe that that person is convicted or pursued legally with the same kind of um, enthusiasm or punishment as someone who had just attacked somebody else. They take into consideration that this person murdered their family member. So if we're going to take those things into consideration, there are times, and I'm not making excuses. I don't believe that these police officers are are going to get away with this. You know, I, I don't know. And I, to be honest, I don't know the status of the officer lost his job or not. I imagine he probably did. But the fact of the matter is, was it criminal? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. That's all I, I think about it. Um, in a moment, we are going to be joined by the new AZGOP chair. Jeff DeWitt is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Republican Party in Arizona, and we're going to talk about um, the direction that it will take with new leadership. All that's coming up. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Um, spending some time here with the show. Um, there's been a change in leadership in the Republican Party in Arizona. We also have a new, R- well, we have a, an RNC chair that's been reelected. But here in Arizona, brand new chairman, brand new direction for the party. Looking forward to this conversation. Former state treasurer here in Arizona, former CFO of NASA. Got a, a huge resume. His name is Jeff DeWitt. He joins us. Jeff, welcome back. It's good to talk to you again. Mike, it's great to be back and talk to you. Thank you so much. Um, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about this position. Um, you've held some pretty high positions around the country and here in the state of Arizona. What made you decide you wanted to do this? You know, I just want to see good things happen. You know, and this is a, this is a tough job. You take a lot of, a lot of slings and arrows and the job doesn't pay. Um, but it's just a good way, I think, to, to see our country get back to its values. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really big on, you know, growing the economy, opportunity for all, um, making Arizona a great place to work, live and raise a family. And I, I wanted to see if we could refocus our political system on on that, on the positives about what matters and, and 
you know, I think we've gotten away from that in, in some different areas, and, and I'd like to see us get back to that. So it's just a way for me to give back and, and do something good for, for uh, the state. So what are some of the things? Can you give me some specifics or if you formulated some of this plan? What are some of the things you are going to do differently? Um, and this isn't to denigrate anybody else, but what direction do you want to take the Republican Party in Arizona? And what do you, how do you best think that can be accomplished? You know, it just seems like the political system uh, for, for a while now has been really focused on the negative and, and there's so much character assassination going on and, and guilt by association. And, and there's just so many negative things out there and it, it gets hard to, to even look at the news anymore. And, you know, back in the day when, you know, I, I ran for treasurer in 2014 and I won based on a music video and I never said anything bad about my opponents. And, you know, I just want to see if I can refocus us back on talking about our positives instead of other people's negatives. All right. So then when you look at what let's look at the landscape for a moment, because it has changed. You said back in 2014 is when you ran, but the landscape has changed in Arizona somewhat. The number one voter demographic in Maricopa County right now is independent voters. It's the fastest growing in the state. It's number two in voter registration behind Republicans statewide. Do you believe the two major political parties, Republican and Democrat, need to pay closer attention to independent voters? And if you do, how do you reach out to independent voters and still maintain a good relationship with your base well and it's you're you're it's a great point and you're exactly right and i know some people that re-registered as independent and for the most part they are completely just fed up with the political system as a whole with both parties they're they're not happy with the negativity they're not happy with the rhetoric um and, and that's exactly what i'm talking about so i ran on a platform to get this job you know i had to get elected um, by the state committeemen of the Republican Party, about 1,900 of them here in the state. And I ran on a platform of unity and coming together to, to get back to the basics, talking about the positives and winning elections. Yes, the, the quote-unquote independents, you know, their, their party not declared in this state have grown by leaps and bounds. I think it's just a, a general distaste for both sides and some of the rhetoric. But I think we can get back to um, doing the right thing and, and saying the right things. And really talking about, you know, prosperity and, and low taxes and all the things that can, you know, bring high paying jobs to the state. And I think we will get uh, those people to come back to the party. Uh, Jeff DeWitt is joining us. He's the AZ GOP chairman. He has just been elected to that position recently. Um, so let's we were just talking about those independent voters and how you believe that that the parties have to start recognizing that. Let's talk about fundraising, because um, it, it's not been easy to raise money within the Republican Party for a while now. But we also know that's a big part of your job is to raise money to help candidates within the state. Are you confident that you can attract some of those dollars back into the party? Yeah, I do. I do believe so, too. And again, that goes hand in hand with, um, you know, the independence growing. The, the donor base uh, has become uh, disenchanted and disenfranchised uh, to a degree as well with uh, again, with just the tone, the general tone. It's it's you know, it's it, politics has really become a blood sport of character assassination and all these things. And it's terrible. So I think if we get back to promoting the positives and talking about, you know, how Republican values um, bring jobs, grow the economy, do all the great stuff that that uh, that they do. I think the donor base will follow. So, how do you do that within the party? Because I understand the political differences: Republican, Democrat, left, right. But within both parties, we've seen the Democrats now they're censuring Senator Cinema before she left the Democratic Party. Um, how inside the Republican Party do you bring the two divided sides together? Is that possible? 
I hope it's possible. I'm trying really hard. You know, we we do have a lot of people. I think both parties have have. There's a, just a whole bunch of factions. Everybody uses the term, you know, herding cats in terms of what the job is, and there are a lot of factions. Um, you know, I, the night before my election, Friday night, I had about 300 of of the state committeemen together, and we were. I gave a little speech. And, and I got a good laugh from saying, look, I just need everyone to come together for two years. Let's get back to the basics. Let's raise money. Let's get out to vote. Let's register voters. Let's win elections. And I said, and in two years, if you want to go back to fighting with each other, that's your choice. But let's just try this new <laughs> approach for two years and see how it works. And, and that got a good laugh. Yeah. And I think because, you know, some of the best humor is when there's a, a hint of truth to it that we all recognize. I, and I've been a Republican for my entire adult life. Um, and and I, I, I'm not leaving. I am staying a Republican. But it's difficult sometimes to watch the infighting because it's the people in the family when they fight that make it the worst. And it's got to be difficult for a lot of voters that aren't as engaged to want to be a part of something where what they see most of the time is vitriol and anger. Right. And, and again, that's, you know, I, I kind of at a certain point just got fed up and that's why I'm, I'm saying, you know what, let me just see if I can, if I can do something to fix this. You know, I think if I have a, a, a negative to some people within the party, it's that I know everybody. Um, you know, our party likes to play what I call connect the dots, the guilt by association of, well, you know, this guy, so I'm not sure about you. And, and I tell people, I just kind of happen to know everybody because I try to see the positive in everybody. And, and there, there are positives in everybody. And, and I like to focus on that. And, and I'm friends with, um, a lot of people on both sides and all the factions. I just like people. And, you know, I really believe strongly in Republican values. I think it's what's going to save our state and save our country. And so um, we'll see it. But that's that was it is like, you know, let me see if I can do something to, to bridge these gaps and and, and get the party moving uh, in the right direction, you know, for for our country. Jeff, it is great to talk with you again. And I, I sincerely wish you the best of luck in this endeavor. I hope it works the way you want it to. And I look forward to talking to you again as we get closer to 24. You got it. Thanks, Mike. Anytime. All right. That's Jeff DeWitt, uh, chairman of the AZGOP. Coming up in a moment, it's Gatos and our Big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Ah, the country's on the wrong track, Mike. (laughs) That's Mike Hugh. The new poll finds that 71% of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track. We're going down the toilet. Yeah, there's a lot of people. And I I saw a story today. I thought it was interesting. It said the number one issue for people right now, not immigration, not inflation, eggs, the price of eggs. Uh, I believe that because uh, ask yourself, well, on a daily basis, does immigration affect you? Mm. No, no, not really. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, eggs, it's that affects your pocketbook, yeah. right? Yep. It affects what you're going to maybe you, that's what the kids like to eat before they go to school. The, yep. So I, you know, that doesn't really surprise me, actually. Yeah. My, my mom's in town. So we went to grab breakfast, uh, I think, Sunday morning. And there's this little cafe near where I live now. And it's just a cool hole in the wall breakfast joint. And that's all I do is breakfast and lunch. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting there eating. And I said to my mom, could you imagine trying to pay your bills with the price of eggs? Yeah. And what they've done in this place. I mean, everybody was eating eggs. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, and they, have they really raised the prices? Um, yeah. Well, I, I, they probably have. But, you you know, in that business, there's only so much you can raise prices before people say, I'm not paying that much for breakfast. Yeah. I think that they say it's not going to be like this forever. Yeah. We're going to bite the bullet and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. conti- continue it. But, you know, people are sneaking eggs over the border, man. Yeah. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, I say 71% of Americans, country on the wrong track. Are you part of the 71%? Yes or no? I will throw this out because I looked this up. Mm-hmm. Um, are we on the wrong track? Do you know, and I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, but uh, the economy's grown almost 7% under Biden. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's not bad with all the bad stuff that we look at with inflation and gas prices last year and all that kind of stuff. Economy has grown. And it's kind of weird because we're trying to not grow the economy. We're trying to tell people don't spend money. And still under the president, we're almost up 7%. I mean, that's not terrible at all. Yeah, it's interesting. It's The dynamic is interesting. And uh, it's a great question, as always. And uh, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. All right. That's Gato's Big Q Poll Question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Just after 9 o'clock, we speak about the economy with Kristen Bentz, who is a retail analyst. So stick around for that.